This is not just any podcast. This is Historically Inaccurate, a history podcast. Oh, I feel like such an idiot. Um, Love it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Historically Inaccurate, uh, our brand new history podcast. Is everyone very excited? Yes. Woo! Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, we are a group of history enthusiasts, um, and we love talking about history normally, and thought we would record it and see if anybody else liked what we were saying. Um, should we introduce ourselves first? I'll start. Um, I'm Kelly. I'm one of the Scots in the title. Um, not a history, not a historian by any accounts, but I love talking about it. I love annoying people with it. So hopefully this will be a nice wee outlet for me to do that to everyone else. Hi, I'm Maria. I am the Greek of the podcast and I just love to talk in general. So yeah, they're with me. <laughs> so I'm Cameron. I'm uh, another Scot of the group. Um, like Kelly, I'm... I'm uh, not exactly the greatest historian, um, but I do like it, love chatting about it, and they like to chat exciting well. And uh, I am Becky, and I did history at university a very long time ago, um, longer than I would like to admit. Um, specialised in the French Revolution, um, but don't ask me anything about it, because I really don't know. Hooray! Lovely. So, now that we've got introductions out of the way, gosh, this seems so very formal, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> um, today, we're going to talk about pandemics, since it seems to be the, um, the thing to do. We're all on lockdown in quarantine, so it seems, seems right to talk about this, I think. Appropriate, right. yes. I think so. <clears throat> <laughs> and in this uh, somewhat scary world, it... Um, it feels comforting to know about what's happened before. So, does anyone want to start us off? I will start I with have... a very brief introduction, if you want. Please do. Just to say that quarantine comes from the Italian word quarante giorni, and it literally means 40 days. So, there you go. I actually had... That's what I looked into as well, and it was really oh, interesting. No. It was... Um, it was Venetian law that put that into effect and it was for sailors originally which is quite interesting well I mean sailors are all a bit dirty aren't they really yeah it was during the black death they all had like rats and stuff on their ships so well that's how they They think it spread yeah they were like don't come in here we'll put up this 30 day rule and then change it to 40 days and then that will be the beginning of quarantine those crazy Italians and their crazy 40 days Bloody, you know really I mean, interesting? like number 40 in general, like, for example, I don't know if this is a sort of religious thing, but it was 40 <clears> days that Jesus supposedly went out in the desert to find Satan, to fight Satan. Mm. And then in our tradition, Orthodox Church, we have after the woman gives birth, she's supposed to stay in the house for 40 days. Mm. So I'm not sure if 40 is like a random number that has some sort of like significance historically or you know not scientifically more so religiously that we just keep in tradition and now we've got the word quarantine which means just general lockdown and being inside um yeah oh well i did not know that but i feel like i've learned something already hooray we're learning things this is very exciting (laughs) um (laughs) so 
I also, I think we all probably did the same research and probably read the same things. Um, but I like the, well, I don't like the idea, but I found it very, very interesting that the first confirmed pandemic in history was actually during the Justinian period in oh, right. um, what was then Constantinople. And supposedly the, uh, the streets were bare and people were hiding um, and because there was so much, like it spread so quickly, there were people, there were bodies supposedly being stacked against walls and stuff. Oh, um, thankfully, I hope we're not at that stage with this one. Um, but I just, to, to me, that's a terrifying thought. And then if you come further on, if we look at the Black <clears throat> Death, if we look at um, the plague in London in the 1600s, um, you're still looking at people being overwhelmed, as we probably are now, um, but they're better at dealing with it. And thankfully, we're constantly learning stuff from these outbreaks. But I just, I find it so interesting that these things keep coming around and around and around. Yeah, definitely. There's so many similarities as well. Like even um, like the Black Death in of itself, um, they think it started in Mongolia around 1319 to 1320. And oh, obviously wow. COVID-19, China, 2019. Mm. Oh. It's just, it seems so crazy that there there's so many, like history just seems to repeat itself that way. Well, I heard that about the Black Death as well. And I read a really interesting article on history.com that was, and Kelly, you probably read the same one as well. And it was talking about how the Black Death reached Europe in 1347, but there's been suggestions from some historians who I think probably do not have enough love as children. Um, and they're talking, they were talking about um, it being an early form of biological warfare. So the Mongols were um, besieging um, the city of Kaffa, which is in Crimean. And they started coming down with this mysterious illness. And instead of retreating or trying to treat themselves or whatever any of the soldiers that uh, died of this mysterious illness, their bodies were catapulted uh, over the walls of Kaffa. Oh and then this obviously, the disease then spread and um, eventually from those people, that's how some historians are suggesting the De Black Death then got to Europe because those people in Kaffa then traded with Constantinople, they went to Venice or wherever. This was before the Venetian quarantines. And this is how it spread to Europe. So maybe it was a form of biological warfare, who knows? That's quite funny Certainly. because... Oops, sorry, Cabby, you can go. Thank you. Uh, it possibly could have been. Um, I do remember reading about the, the Mongolians when they first started invading in China. Um, one of their preferred tactics when they were besieging like a, a city or such not was to fling dead cows um, over the walls of city gates and uh, part of that was to induce not only kind of panic but smells etc kind of form a psychological warfare as well and it was also believed that um, with like for not just dead cows but dead people as well hopefully that they would be able to spread diseases so it probably was a form of biological warfare. It's a bit, uh, oh, wow. a bit creepy is it not? Well, when you think about it, I suppose it's actually, I mean, I know it sounds kind of bad, but probably quite a good idea. 
Um, it's quite a good way to have... kind of destroy them from the inside, isn't it? Yes. yes. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So as opposed to having to kind of wait, um, you know, months, years upon end just for the, the settlement to fall, especially if they've got large food resources like in the settlement, mm. um, killing them off a bit quicker, I suppose you could conquer it a bit quicker as well, couldn't you? But then yeah. I suppose the risk of that is you're throwing these bodies over the wall, then eventually they open the gates or you find your way in because they can't defend it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then you risk anyone from your army that hasn't been infected then going into the city and then being infected again. Mm. Not necessarily the smartest way of doing things, but I suppose if it works, you don't really care how it gets done. No, true, true. Kind of reminds me of how the story, <laughs> the story of how the Black Death came to Scotland as well. Um, oh, this is the Marauders, eh? Which is quite hilarious. Um, they <laughs> essentially what, and this mayor. I mean, it is pulled from a horrible history sketch, but you know it's, it's pretty accurate. Um, the so the, the plague had arrived in England, and England were dying. Mm-hmm in droves from this terrible plague and so us Scots you know and our we like to grab an opportunity when it presents itself so we were like oh England seems to be compromised let's attack them while they're down which we did and then we came back all victorious but then oh what was oh seems we've brought some boils with us and that is how the black death spread throughout Scotland simply because we wanted to attack England and then we came back and then spread the plague down. Before that point, it had never been yes. in Scotland. I mean, I feel like but, it's yeah. your own fault, really. You came across <laughs> the the border and uh, attacked us, and well, we just kind of decided to um, to get back at you. So I, I have no sympathy for you. You're like, so. even when we're not physically attacking you, you can take our germs back and destroy yourselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> it's down to your own. It's your own fault. I think one of the things that I uh, remember reading about the, the Black Plague and how it kind of spread so much was, uh, what was it again, the, the the Eastern Trade Route, what was it called again? Mine's been blank, sorry. Oh, what, the Silk Road? The Silk Road, exactly. Yeah, right. Not just that, though, as well, but ships, etc. as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, with the Black Death, 60% of Europe was wiped out, supposedly. Um, although we can't really know that for sure, because obviously... Everything that they knew about the population, even the numbers, was down to um, that really the Catholic Church. You know, people were baptised, people had funerals. Um, these were the people that were um, that were registered. But if you weren't in one of these groups, if you were, for example, uh, Jewish, if you were Muslim, uh, it, certainly in this part of the world, um, you weren't necessarily counted. If you were from um, you know, really any disadvantaged background, you weren't necessarily counted in census. So although the best experts, best guess, 60%, actually, we don't know. And we never will know. And and that as well, um, that's something that came up again in various plague outbreaks in various places. Um, and probably the one that we know the most about is the Spanish flu. Um mm-hmm purely because at this point the record keeping is much better but even then do we really know because during the initial outbreaks people didn't necessarily know what it was and and weren't necessarily um recording it as the plague 
So I suppose my question is, can we ever really know the full extent of uh, of how many people either suffer or die? Well, it's interesting that you say that because this is also the argument today. You know, how accurate how accurate is, you know, <laughs> are the governments in telling people how many people have been affected? What is the actual death rate and how many of the, you know, the numbers we hear today are associated with what we're going through just now, which is COVID-19. So I think, you know, as we said before, like history moves in cycles. This is in every aspect of it. So, yes, history does repeat itself and politics remain politics. And, you know, it's just we will never know, really, will we? Yeah, I think... it's the same. Sorry, Kelly, you go first. Sorry, I was just to say it was the same in um during the 1665 plague, um, mm. even um, in Samuel Pepys' diaries, um, he kept mm-hmm. quite a detailed account of all the, the, throughout the entire period from the plague to the Great Fire. And he wrote m- multiple times about how he was, his one of his jobs was to like record the amount, like the numbers that were dying. And even he said at multiple points that there is likely to be so much more than what he was actually recording. And there's one yeah. part where he's even walking down the street and he walks over a body. And, it, and obviously he had never counted that body before it was clearly a homeless person. So it's like you say, like, you, well, you probably would never, obviously they, even back then when they were making a point of recording all of the deaths, there's no way that everything, it, it's, we're going to get an accurate yes. amount. We'll never know for certain how many people it actually affected. I think as well, though, when we're talking about the COVID-19 situation, um, you've got to think about the amount of people that have actually been tested and how many people that have it that haven't been tested. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's quite possible during the Black Plague, something similar could have happened. How do, do we know that these people actually died of the plague or, for example, from other illnesses? I mean, the symptoms would be different, but, I mean, at the time, I can't imagine, well, they certainly didn't have the, the same medical expertise that we have now. It's quite funny as well. It reminds me. I was looking. Um, I was. I was laughing at these as I was looking at them. Um, which I mean, I guess at the time they thought that it was legit. But um, I was looking up some cures for the Black Death. Um, so here's some. Uh, le- <laughs> you can let me know if if you think that these would be cures for COVID nineteen. Um, so some of them included bloodletting, and they bloodlet in order to expel the dark spirits that they believed were causing the plague. I feel um, like we should have a black hat like reference that. right now because you know, it's like, ah, oh, let me guess, leeches? Ah, oh, are you a doctor too? <laughs> Literally. Um, they had, um, they would rub treacle that had been aged for 10 years on oh the wounds goodness. and also get the patient to drink it. Um, they mean, would the drink bathe... is fine, but I'm not sure what the, uh, what the rubbing of the wound would do. They, they seemed to, they rubbed a lot of things on the sores because they also, um, rubbed excrement on open sores oh no believe it or not can we are we even shocked as to why they all died like honestly (laughs) like um and they would also bathe in their own urine and drink their own urine now can i ask an honest question here are we sure they just didn't have some sort of fetish i mean that's what i mean there seems to be a lot of yeah i would agree with that (laughs) i mean is this is this in Europe as a whole? Is this in a particular place in Europe? Do you know? It does, it's not got a specific place. It just seems to be like little sprinkles of what oh, was used practices. in each. Yeah. Do you know what's really interesting? Again, which I find fascinating. Uh, 
so seemingly the Black Death, at some point, some astrologer of the time slash poet explained this as a phenomenon that occurred because of the conjunction, and don't ask me what that means exactly, of um, two specific planets, which um, are Jupiter and Saturn, right? And apparently this is the same thing that happened happens now. So the oh. next conjunction is on December 21st of 2020, which means that most of 2020 will take place during the end of their cycle. <laughs> so this is in anticipation of the end of the cycle. And what this seemingly um, signifies is um, that we need to sort of like forget the way that life was before. And we need to embrace new ways of lives. And we need to uh, think about what we need to leave behind. And it sort of like talks about a collective sort of mindful time for the planet to think about what is the new way or should be the new way of being, which I think is quite interesting. And, you know, it's another funny way of explaining why things happen. And yeah, apparently the same, the same sort of like conjunction happened on the stars during the Black Death. And the one, it's the one that happens now. Um, yeah, so we're going to focus on material security and consolidation of resources, which I think I get concepts that are quite you know, sort of like similar and yeah, thoughts on that? Well, I mean, if it could all change after I've bought my house, that would be, that would be ideal. Once I'm in my house, I don't care, that's fine. But up until that point, if it could just hold on just a little bit longer. It does make you think about whether these things were meant to be though, doesn't it? It does, you know, in a, in a, to an extent it does, yeah. I mean, I oh. was reading, um, while I was reading up on this, I, what I thought was very interesting was the number of um, the number of articles over the preceding couple of years saying, look, mm -hmm. realistically, we are due for another massive in influenza pandemic. We don't know where, we don't know when, but we know it's coming. So there's been an awareness for a while that this was that something like this was due. Obviously, they didn't know what it was specifically. But there's been there's been an awareness for there's been experts saying for ages, you know, we've not had a really ma a, pan a proper pandemic in a very long time mm. um, and we need to prepare for one. Um, not not saying, obviously, that uh, that we all deserve what we've got right now. Of course not. But um, I do just do think that's very, very interesting that the people that are in the know are saying, well, there's not been this massive catastrophic uh, pandemic occurring for a while so you know we should probably prepare ourselves for one although I have to say though and I know I think that um, Cameron we've had this discussion before anyway but it doesn't feel like I don't know if you guys remember swine flu in 2010 yeah. was it yeah 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 and I don't feel like obviously that had a the, the, the fatality rate for that was much lower than this one. But I feel like the reactions between the two have been completely different. And what I find really interesting is um, with when I was looking at um, the, the plague in London in 1665, um, they had had roughly every 20 years since the 1300s, there had been a plague outbreak in and around London and within sort of England and the UK. Mm -hmm. But that one in particular, um, the authorities recognised very early on that it was a massive uh, oncoming 
uh, <clears throat> event and they reacted accordingly. So I just wonder, I mean, I, I have no idea why, but how or why they recognised that that incident in particular was going to be so bad. As opposed to As opposed now? to uh, uh, other previous ones before that where it hadn't been significant enough to stick, I suppose, in our modern psyche because um, I, obviously I can't speak for anyone else that didn't grow up with English parents or in and around English people um, but I grew up with an awareness of the plague the, the great plague obviously the black death everybody certainly in this part of the world does but also the fire of London um, the plague in London in the 1600s um, Spanish flu and all that kind of thing so I just wondered really why that one why did they know so early that that one was going to be bad? Whereas the one 20 years beforehand, they didn't really do anything about it as quickly. I don't know. Yeah. Do it for thought. I mean, it's, I mean, it's quite possible that the, the, rate of, the, the rate of infection to the plague previ previous to the one in 1665 was less. Possibly. Is that one? Um, I mean, it kind of goes back to your point about, uh, you know, swine flu. I mean, I think the reason why COVID-19, for obvious reasons, uh, is is so focused in the press is due to the rate of infection. Whereas with swine flu, there wasn't as great a rate of infection in the West. Maybe, I have no idea. Um, to go back to Kelly's point about what they did to cure it, do you know what they blamed the plague on in, uh, in the 1600s, in 1665? Oh. This is very interesting. Well, I think. So, the things that were blamed for the outbreak of the plague. Uh, emanations from the earth. Pestilential effluviums, which I personally think would be an excellent name for an indie band. The unusual weather, which maybe, Maria, comes down to your point about the planets aligning like something out of the Hercules. Was there um, not something about there being a comet in the sky or something as yes, well? Yes, there was. There was yeah. uh, a comet yeah. in the sky in the December and the outbreak occurred in the docks and in St Giles in, I want to say, February? Right. Uh, yeah, so that, I mean, that, that, that would count as, I think, as unusual weather or... Uh, whatever um also blamed was sickness in livestock abnormal behavior of animals and an increase in the numbers of moles and frogs and other tiny animals they also blamed cats and dogs and there was a mass um culling of the road uh, the feral cats and dogs and whatnot which unfortunately probably would have had the complete opposite effect to what they were hoping yeah because they would have or the cats at least would have killed the rats yeah, well, exactly, yes. And, and that probably would have maybe reduced the... I mean, I know by that point it was probably people that were spreading it to each other, but hmm. it, it couldn't have helped having all the rats running about as well. No, definitely not. Just quite interesting as well, because when you look at a lot of... Um, the so, like On the back of that, the ways that they thought that they could protect themselves against that, because it hmm. kind of... When I was looking into it, it, there was some similarities to what we were doing now. Obviously, right now... We're like in our houses, we're not allowed to see each other, you know, we have to go out for walks like once a day and all of that. Like it's it's been mandated by the government. 
And what was really interesting to me as well is um, in 1665, in the, in the plague in London, um, I was looking into what the government did, just in terms of like comparing like the measures that the governments took um, between then and now. And one of the first things that they did was they banned all public entertainment, which is obviously what's happened here. Um, but the major difference being that people who were showing symptoms were forcibly shut in their homes. So there wasn't even a question. It was like they were they were shut, they were put in their homes, they were locked up, and their um, doors were painted with a red cross. Um, and sometimes they had ba like Bible vi Bible verses and uh, quoted on their doors as well. And they were absolutely not allowed to leave their house. Um, and I just found that was quite. And then uh, in interestingly, though, um, in Edinburgh, the plague in Edinburgh was twenty years before it was in London. It was in sixteen forty-five. And in Edinburgh, um, people were also quarantined, but they weren't quarantined within the city. They were quarantined outside the city walls and huts, and they were. Ooh. They were sent there if they were deemed to be clanget, which is Scots for they needed to be cleansed. So they would essentially be banished outside the city walls and kept in huts and they would have white sheets put on their door. And I just thought it was really interesting, like the difference between how the the London and Edinburgh reactions to the plagues were. Well, um, funny, um, talking about uh, the London one. Um, at the end of uh, April, when the... Um, when the parliament and the, the local government in London uh, were kind of started acting on um, the plague, um, the Privy Council introduced enforced quarantine for anyone suspected of having the plague. Um, but this was first introduced. So the plague first arrived in London in 1665 in St Giles and on the docks. Um, and... Um, the first house in St Giles that was um, they were they were forced inside, um, and and basically um, not bricked up, but you know what I mean. Like they they basically were locked in. Um, mm. It caused a riot, and a mob of people released the inhabitants of that first house that was sealed up, um, because for whatever reason, either people didn't want to believe that the plague was here yet again or they just thought that it was an overreaction, or that they, the family were particularly popular and they didn't, you know, that the townspeople didn't want them to die or whatever. Um, and the people that rioted and released them, the kind of leaders of that mob, um, were themselves then um, punished for having done so. Um, but I just find that really, really interesting, um, that not... It, even throughout time people have even though subconsciously we all know that we are quarantined for a good reason i.e not to spread it to keep people at risk safe we all have the same reaction which is this is an overreaction or you know we shouldn't be quarantining people or, or whatever there's a there's a certain part of the population that just can't deal with it and i find yeah. that really really interesting that throughout history we are reacting the same course it would be quite nice if we could all be Charles second and just leave the the affected area altogether but uh, we are not <laughs> obviously may I say on that note as you say that basically this human psyche is the same throughout history can we also remember that it was during you know the black death well isolation equals creation because Shakespeare wrote three of his most famous plays under quarantine and Macbeth was one of them so there you go, we can 
he led by example, we can also be creative during our lockdown and try and you know just sort of cultivate some sort of like you know nice thing out of this isolation and you know instead of going crazy basically which I'm going to do. Is that your very nice way of telling Kelly and I that we finally need to finish our Dougal and Christine story? <laughs> you, could, you could, but you know, it's just, it's it's a it's in a very interesting way to just turn your hobbies into your like lifeguards in a way, and because you know, I think I think please correct me if my pronunciation of it is incorrect. Edward Munch, is that how you say it? The scream. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, it is Munch, isn't it? Yes, I think. Well, it's M-U-N... Well, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but you know what I'm talking about. The scream was another, um, you know, the result of another lockdown, I believe. Um, I hope I'm not completely incorrect about this. So there's major, you know, things being done during the lockdown, so we can take inspiration from that. And on that note, would Kelly want to elaborate on this amazing fact that she shared with us the other day about the 1518 dance rave um, <gasps> oh pandemic. yes i love this story <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> i'm not gonna lie this the knowledge of this plague came from horrible histories as most of my um <laughs> master facts do um copyright but yeah histories. copyright terry dairy Exactly. <laughs> um, basically, it was um, in the summer of 1518 in Strasbourg, which is a city in Germany. Um, a few people just started dancing, um, like randomly started dancing in the street. Um, their arms going crazy, like properly dancing like they were at a rave. And they never stopped throughout the night and into the next day. And they seemed to be completely oblivious to pain, to fatigue, to any kind of effect that having this much physical activity in the middle of a hot summer's day would normally have. And it basically, what essentially happened is they danced themselves to death um, because they were so exhausted. They ended up, they didn't have, um, they were dehydrated so like, and had heat exhaustion and they basically just started collapsing in the street and no one to this day can explain why like why this happened and it seemed to catch on and like the entire like and spread between the town and everyone was just dancing until they died and i just find that absolutely bizarre like they couldn't work out why like what it was that caused them to start doing that it was just randomly in the middle of like a summer's day they thought as well like the some of the um the theories that they had for it was that um they might have been suffering from holy wrath um, so um, naturally, the sort of church officials in the town um, banned music and banned da- uh, banned music and dancing in public, um, and then they were taken to a shrine as well. And by this point, they had danced until their feet were actually in tatters, and they were put. Um, they basically put their feet into the like the altar of like this like a saint, and basically prayed that their feet would be blessed to stop them dancing. <laughs> it's just nice. It's amazing. Yeah, it's I think just it's crazy. Sorry, I think it's more a case of a high grade German ecstasy. <laughs> well, that's probably that's a reason, reason to be honest. Yeah. Okay, French, it's like French, sorry, it's French. It's in France. Ironically, they they do think that um, it might have resulted from um, from eating food with like a type of um, mold in it. It's like rye, and apparently the chemical that that produces is kind of similar to the effects of LSD. 
So, saying, Cameron, you're not really that far off. <laughs> <laughs> this is the same thing that they, that um, modern historians believe may have caused the complete panic around Salem, is it not? It's some kind of um, mould that you find with or around rye or whatever, and it causes like this uh, reaction similar to ha- having taken LSD, and they think that this maybe has caused the hysteria uh, around uh, witches in Salem. So it's all kind yeah, of I can definitely like... see that that happening. But can you imagine being like you're in Germany, crazy, like super religious? I mean, I don't know at this point if it was like Lutheran or not, but whatever crazy religious rules they followed, and then randomly just the entire town starts dancing like madmen in the street. Remember like you would think was... you'd been invaded by the devil or something if you were that. <laughs> if you were that religious and that started happening, mind you. But yeah, that's one of my that's one of my favourite stories, just because it's just so bizarre and like it's no so one can good. really explain it. Definitely, like there's theories, but no one can actually definitely confirm what it actually was that caused them to do that. Well, if you're gonna die, do it, uh, do it dancing. Well, exactly. And part of me is like, did they have music while they were doing it, or did they just start dancing to no music? in the streets because that would be creepy i feel like some <laughs> someday should surely have brought out a lute or something and like had a, wee, had a wee band playing and they all started dancing the original uh, silent disco exactly oh yeah <laughs> but yeah so that's that's um one of my favorite not, not that we have favorite plagues but it's one of my favorite <laughs> stories about an epidemic <laughs> Well, interesting thing as well um, that I was that I found out now. This is maybe going <clears> to <throat> spark some interesting discussion about what will happen at the end of this COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, when I was looking into the um, the effect of the plague in Edinburgh in sixteen forty five, um, the main plague doctor in Edinburgh at that time was a guy called Doctor George Ray. Um, he took over from someone. I, can't, I feel so bad, but I can't remember the guy's name. It, took over from the original plague doctor mm-hmm. who died of the plague so he wasn't very effective um but george ray was the one who wore the big he had a big long leather cloak and the big bird beak um right. that you'll see if you go into like mary king's close or anything like Yay. that he would go into yeah um and he he filled his bird beak with spices and rose petals and they actually think that that outfit did protect them from the plague um, because having the big um, leather cloak when he went into, because obviously in Edinburgh people were shut in their houses like in Mary, down in Mary King's Close and um, bricked up and left essentially to die and he had to go in and try and treat them. Um, but they think because his leather cloak was so long it prevented the rats from biting him which would have given the, um, the plague directly. And also it, obviously the beak as much as it's terrifying did stop him inhaling all of the like the infectious air. So mm-hmm. as scary as it was, it did actually work, they think. But an interesting, the most interesting thing that I found from this, and I think it would be quite interesting to see how COVID ends and what this, particularly how everyone is so, obviously quite rightly, we're so appreciative of our NHS and the doctors and everything that they're doing. Um, but something that happened, so George Ray was the main plague doctor in Edinburgh during this time. He survived the plague, likely because of his big, scary, terrifying outfit. Um, but... One thing that did happen to him afterwards is um, it, because he was a plague doctor, they didn't expect him to survive it. 
Um, so when he first took over from the previous doctor who had died, they promised him 10 times the pay. So he was essentially promised, like, if you can help, like, this was the Lord promised in the Council of Edinburgh, mm-hmm. like, if you can help us through this plague, we will pay you 10 times the amount that your predecessor had because they thought, oh, he's just going to die. Um, he won't survive. He did survive. And the um, council, Edinburgh Council, if that's what we want to call it at the time, um, refused to pay him afterwards. And George Ray spent the last 10 years of his life after the outbreak fighting to be paid. And he, they don't think he was ever paid. So I find that just when I read that, I was like, this is quite this could be quite an interesting because I know a lot of the discussions that I've been seeing online about COVID is, um, well, we actually find like, like there's been so many cases where nurses have campaigned for higher pay. And yeah. it's never happened. But obviously they've been lifesavers throughout this thing. Will we, have, will we actually reward them for what they've done for us? And it was just quite interesting because obviously in this case, I really hope that history and what happened to George Ray doesn't happen here because that did make me so angry because it was like he, they, he was the only doctor and he was the only... I mean, granted, it was 1645. He probably wasn't doing anything to actually help these people. They were probably going to die anyway. But it was he was actually going into these plague-infested hovels and trying to help people as much as it was terrifying and his big bird beak um, and he never got paid and he fought for it for the last 10 years I just yeah I just found that quite interesting Can I just say that is just classic Edinburgh Council Well yeah. <laughs> Throughout the centuries is the same Just typical tight no one to pay it <laughs> Exactly exactly I wonder if he had like his cart, like if he had like a wee cart and stuff like that. I wonder if they had like a blue meanie giving him a ticket as well, because that wouldn't surprise me. Probably. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Do you know where that cart is parked on double yellow lines? <laughs> or maybe, maybe they just thought like you're like you're a scary bastard with your big beak. Like maybe they were just too terrified. Like, <laughs> although if I was him, I would have just worn it, like turned up at their door, like give me my money but with a big scary bird week i feel like that would have worked <laughs> i think one of the things i've been reading uh regarding the black plague itself um was it just kind of goes back to kind of what you guys have been saying about kind of like for example money etc um the, the, the economic concrete uh, the economic consequence of the plague itself um i've been reading that the the price of food had dropped uh, along with mm-hmm. land value, land value, excuse me, and that declined by 30 to 40 percent. And I think it's something we're seeing right now, certainly with the markets crashing as well. This is going to be the case just with a bit of like render friendly or like buyer friendly prices to yeah. reflect the current situation. You would hope so. Yes. But when people are charging £27 for a bottle of hand sanitizer, well. Mm-hmm. Did you find any um, positives that came out of any of the plagues or pandemics? Just the Shakespeare one, nothing else. Just <laughs> That's a very good one, though, to be fair, Maria. <laughs> Just be creative, the creation that can come from isolation. I found quite an interesting one um, with the Black Death, they think. Mm-hmm. Now, this is obviously not proven, um, but because um, they believe that the... Um, that the spread of the Black Death did actually cause um, a resistance in future generations to that kind of disease. Um, so the people that survived and their descendants, they think that their immune systems were, that obviously there's no proof of this, but they think their immune systems were more better um, evolved to handle um, bubonic kind of um, conditions. But they also think because obviously it wiped out so many people, it changed the social structure. So um, 
the workers were um because there was less of them they were able to try well as much as you can demand in the 1300s um better pay and they think that it may have created the middle class which is quite interesting ah i didn't know that yeah so that was quite an interesting thing it's not backed up by concrete facts but that's a theory that um a couple of historians have which i thought was quite interesting the creation of the middle class out of a plague i mean what kind of inverted commas positives will come out of this i know we can't really see see it right now because we're obviously still in the thick of it but it just makes you wonder yeah well I mean, i'd like to sorry cameron carry on no 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 becky you first oh no all i was going to say was uh, at the end of this we'll have to um uh, frequent the pub a bit more 100 <laughs> percent. yes definitely going to say with the amount of people um, that are self-isolating, etc. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I've certainly um, spoken to my neighbours and said to them that if I need any shopping, etc., to give me a shout. I think perhaps maybe that's one good thing that may come out of this whole COVID-19 situation is people be, maybe being a wee bit nicer to other people, um, just maybe helping your neighbours out or something like that. I mean, I don't know. Not on social media anyway. Uh... Did you yeah. see some of the reactions to the Prime Minister and uh, um, Hancock getting diagnosed with COVID? I, mean, I have not. Uh, well, the worst of people comes out in these situations, I think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that just, that makes me physically uncomfortable, regardless of politics. Exactly. If somebody we're has, all humans. Exactly, we're all humans. And if somebody has this potentially deadly for some people condition, not be happy about it you should not be uh pleased because it's just it's not nice and I, that to me that's i mean obviously in generally speaking in the real world the vast majority of people are like you know i hope everybody who gets it regardless of whatever gets better but then on social media you just see the absolute worst in people and it's really detrimental to mental health which i suppose is the other thing that we haven't spoken about um these days we are we are now much more aware of what it is that we're facing however if we're talking about the black death if we're talking about any plague anywhere really up until more recent times and even they didn't they didn't know what they were facing they didn't know what it was and particularly in medieval periods they probably you know would have put it down to i mean as we heard earlier uh, a myriad of things but they just didn't understand what it was and and we do can you imagine the terror of being faced with this awful condition not knowing what it was thinking that it was something that was sent by uh, the devil or to punish people for uh, whatever i just i can't yes. imagine it it's terrifying yeah. of not being able to communicate because we're blessed enough to have you know, the means of communication and technology to help us connect with our loved ones, which we cannot see at the moment. Mm -hmm. We're getting constant updates and, you know, so, so different. We have, I had an impromptu house party with my parents and aunt yesterday. It was very surreal, but obviously <laughs> we couldn't do that in the, the, the medieval, well, really up until very, very recently. Um, and that's another thing. Obviously, um, we're all based in, in Scotland and the Scottish government have announced more funding towards 
mental health in Scotland, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be needed after all of this is finished. Um, but obviously, mental health, in terms of talking about it, in terms of appreciating its importance, again, is a very Indeed. modern construct. And yeah. many people also say that like it's really important to first of all, acknowledge the hard work that the NHS staff are doing because most of these nurses and doctors and health practitioners will be facing PTSD potentially after this all has been in past. Mm -hmm. So it's just really important to, and we're again lucky enough to acknowledge the fact that mental health is health and it's, you know, connected to we body and soul are one and mind. So again, we're privileged in a privileged position despite the horrible things that go on about us and around us. Maybe though that after like with the end of kind of like the situation that we're in now, um, do you think maybe there's a, the possibility that <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, um that we do have I mean you you're talking about mental health, um, that we could have, for example, more mental health nurses, more individuals involved in that care. I think that's certainly something um, that I think the government should perhaps be thinking about with the end of this as well. Because as you just kind of mentioned about, you know, PTSD, etc. I mean, I can imagine during the the Black Plague, etc. Um, people would have had, you know, experienced similar symptoms. Um, you're not not symptoms, excuse me, but, you know, a similar kind of feeling, you know what I mean? All this tragedy, all this death kind of happened around them. Um, you know, as you were kind of saying before, you know, the benefit of modern societies, we know more about kind of mental health. I wonder if that would be something that the government like should be thinking about investing in. But then how, the flip side of that is, how do you know what is needed and how do you allocate stuff? Like, how do you allocate funding to that? How do you allocate resources and time? I have to say, the one thing from all of this is that I am very, very glad that I am not the person that is making the decisions that need to be made. Interesting to see how we'll look back on this and say a year or two years or even five, ten more than that years, how it will be viewed in terms of like the actions that were taken and and the effect that it had. I guess one day like someone in like a hundred or two hundred years from now might want to do their own little podcast on COVID nineteen and compare it to a pandemic that they've got going on. Like history's just one big circle, isn't it? Is. Although surely they won't have podcasts. Surely it'll just be like mind melds at this. Oh point. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Vulcan, like <laughs> just beam it in each other's minds. <laughs> Star date fifty four thirty two. <laughs> Captain's log type thing. You never know. This podcast could be like a prime source of information for them. I feel so sorry See? for them. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> like the Samuel Pepys <laughs> of them. Before we go, can I? ask a random question yes talking about like future dystopias or utopias is anyone like us finding the fact that any depiction we have of future is normally ugly and very like full of like laminate and just very spaceship like it can be yeah you know vintage and beautiful and cottagey like and fun I've got to be honest, that was not where I expected this conversation to go when we started. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed our discussion about the uh, pandemic and what it means. And um, if that's everybody, everyone want to say goodbye? Yes, thank you very goodbye. much. Goodbye, see you next time.